Bankless Nation, we have a banking crisis that just happened over the weekend. David, the second largest bank in US history collapsed. Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, so people are calling it. We've been monitoring this all weekend. We wanted to give you guys an update. Uh, we do these special episodes every once in a while. Usually when the world's on fire, something yeah, crazy those, is going one of those on. Times. Yeah, it, we're just drinking from the fire hose and finding out more information as things go. So we may, may even have some updates in this live stream. But David, what are we going to cover today? Yeah, so the, all of this news broke almost exactly when we stopped recording the weekly roll-up on Thursday. Yes. So all the and it seems to be that this episode, I mean, it's news is still breaking, but it's uh, unless something big and new happens, it seems to be that all of this event, all the events have happened between Thursday evening and Sunday evening. And then the markets opened this this Monday morning and the fallout of all of those events have now taken place. It, it could be that this whole entire story started and ended inside of the last three days. And so we weren't able to cover it on the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, which is why we are doing this weekend roll-up on Monday right now <laughs> to cover what the hell just happened in the world of, of finance and banking and the Fed and Treasury and FDIC, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, uh, S Silvergate Bank, uh, the run on all of the banks, all of the, the mid to low tier banks and the flight towards the big banks. And is this overall an attack on crypto, I think is where this conversation will eventually end. Uh, Ryan, were you, I was doom scrolling this weekend. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I was like, I, look, I was doom scrolling this weekend. My big question was, was US... USDC going to be okay, right? right? Yeah. That, that was definitely a big question in my mind. And also another qu big question around uh, uh, Signature Bank, right. because that was that was kind of the the next, that's where USDC has a whole bunch of its, its mm -hmm. stores as well. Um, and then a big question around Silicon Valley Bank, like what was going to happen to depositor right. funds, right? Because this is a story that is definitely in the banking sector and affects in a big way Silicon Valley tech companies. So mm -hmm. a whole bunch of the crypto startups that we know were panicking over the weekend. Right. Like, are we going to be able to make, make payroll on Monday? Mm -hmm. And then there was this question of contagion. Is this going to spread beyond Silicon Valley Bank to the rest of the U.S. banking system? Is crypto going to get, um, you know, wrapped up in this? And of course, because by seven, the markets are trading in crypto. And the stock right. market's closed. FDIC can come in and be like, oh, we're just stopping this bank and we're going to sort it out over the weekend and we'll give you an update Monday. Well, um, crypto still trades. And so you saw USDC trading like 10 cents off the peg dropping. USDC like... got down to 88 cents. Did it really? 88 cents. Was okay. So you're like, USDC. oh, meltdown. Yeah. You're looking at die and you're like, what's right. going on? Is there something right. I don't know? My, my gut around this was that the Fed was going, the FDIC rather, was going to come and reserve depositor funds like bail bailout is the wrong term but like guarantee yes. i should say guarantee deposit protect funds. deposits protect customers yeah because if they don't the entire banking sector right. could risk contagion mm -hmm. and does anyone really want that right. and the answer is no so I, I sort of expected it would end the way that it hasn't maybe we're kind of rushing the conclusion of the story before we get to the the very beginning but um, it ended in a much better place than the weekend started. And yet, David, mm -hmm. I don't know that it's over. All right. We might just be in right. chapter one of a multi-phase book here of, um, you know, like, so a question in my mind that I would love to, to get answered is like, okay, what happened? Mm -hmm. um, and then what does it mean going forward? But also, how did we get here? Right. 
a bank run? Like uh, the second second largest bank run in U.S. history? Like how does that happen? So hopefully, I know you've done a lot of research on this. Mm-hmm. You put this entire agenda together. I'm kind of along for the ride. I'm going to be asking you questions, man, to try to get up to speed on this. Yeah, I, th- I think you touched on the right questions. And really just to reiterate them, the, the story opened up with, is USDC going to be okay? Some people thought that the base case for USDC as a result of this news was it goes to zero. Uh, that was the most extreme case. Uh, and we are all, as a crypto industry, sped run learning about banking and finance. So the, the weekend opened up with, is USDC going to be okay? How much funds are lost because of the insolvency of Silvergate Bank? Why did this happen at all? What were the forces that created the run on the bank? Uh, So that is a question that we will ask and also attempt to answer in this show. Uh, The FDIC insures, of course, a quarter million deposits, but now it's insuring everything. What does that mean for the banking sector and how does that change the banking industry? And again, like I said, is this an attack on crypto? So a, a lot of these questions and more as well, uh, I think we're going to tackle here in this episode. Uh, we have uh, Ryan and for all the listeners that were not glued to the screens this weekend, uh, we found this, I found this a very short, awesome TikTok, which I think we will go ahead and play right now just to catch everyone up because it's it's a funny and actually really useful way to uh, tell a story of what just happened. So Ryan, you ready to watch this TikTok video? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. The year is 2019, and I live like a king. Hey, SVB, looking good, Randall. Investors love me. Conditions are perfect. Hey, I just got $50 million in funding. Could I deposit in your bank? And companies are getting more funding than ever. What's your startup do? It's an app where you rate how hot people's daughters are without them asking. I went to Berkeley. Put it in. Oh, we're making some cash. Okay, let's put $80 million in mortgage-backed securities. Oh, uh, that sounds a little 2008, don't you think? Nah, interest rates are down. We'll get a return of 1.5%. I like our odds. I really don't Thank you. Yep, life was pretty great as the 20th largest bank in the U.S., and nothing was going to ruin that. Surprise! <laughs> it's 2022, and you would not believe the price of eggs out there. One second. Ah, uh, okay. People did not like daughter rank. <laughs> money, please. Uh, hey, let's sell some securities. Hey, what are you doing? Sir, almost none of our deposits are insured. If I tell you, you can't freak out. Okay. We are having a tiny liquidity crisis. A what? So we're just going to do a little bit of capital raising. A liquidity crisis? No, a crisis. No, no, it's not bad. <laughs> hmm. My stock is down today. Why could that be? That money was for payroll, okay, motherfucker. Okay, I won't, I won't raise any capital. I won't raise any capital. Because we're exploring a sale. I should be fine. Ah, oh, come on. All right, and that's that. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, so we're going to walk through each individual parts of those, uh, all, all, everything that was just mentioned there, uh, and all of the conversations around, uh, is the money printer back on? Uh, because I think a new form of QE has dropped. But first, before we get to all of these stories, we're going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. 
Kraken has been a leader in the crypto industry for the last 12 years. Dedicated to accelerating the global adoption of crypto, Kraken puts an emphasis on security, transparency, and client support, which is why over 9 million clients have come to love Kraken's products. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, the Kraken UX is simple, intuitive, and frictionless, making the Kraken app a great place for all to get involved and learn about crypto. For those with experience, the redesigned Kraken Pro app and web experience is completely customizable to your trading needs, integrating key trading features into one seamless interface. Kraken has a 24-7, 365 client support team that is globally recognized. Kraken support is available wherever, whenever you need them, by phone, chat, or email. And for all of you NFTers out there, the brand new Kraken NFT beta platform gives you the best NFT trading experience possible. Rarity rankings, no gas fees, and the ability to buy an NFT straight with cash. Does your crypto exchange prioritize its customers the way that Kraken does? And if not, sign up with Kraken at kraken.com. Learning about crypto is hard. Until now. Introducing MetaMask Learn, an open educational platform about crypto, Web3, self-custody, wallet management, and all the other topics needed to onboard people into this crazy world of crypto. MetaMask Learn is an interactive platform with each lesson offering a simulation for the task at hand, giving you actual practical experience for navigating Web3. The purpose of MetaMask Learn is to teach people the basics of self-custody and wallet security in a safe environment. And while MetaMask Learn always takes the time to define Web3 specific vocabulary, it is still a jargon-free experience for the crypto curious user. Friendly not scary. MetaMask Learn is available in 10 languages with more to be added soon, and it's meant to cater to a global Web3 audience. So are you tired of having to explain crypto concepts to your friends? Go to learn.metamask.io and add MetaMask Learn to your guides to get onboarded into the world of Web3. Arbitrum 1 is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum 1 and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free back and in order to really tell this full story we have to start at the beginning we're going to ask the question why did this happen why did silicon valley bank experience a run on the bank and why were other banks threatened with runs on their banks why did this over why are the words banking crises being thrown around out there and i think i found the the best really the simplest explanation of this which was put together by our good friend uh, jim bianco uh, and so here's a very long tweet because he's doing the whole long tweet thing. But I pulled out the the basically the gist out of this. And the the things that I really want to emphasize here are, are twofold. One, this is different than 2008 in, in mainly two different ways. One is because of just the banking sector is different. And what is happening today is the Silicon Valley bank crisis is different than 2008. We'll talk about that. But first, I want to start with it's different because we have modern day technology. So the the punchline here is that bank runs on the bank can happen 100 times faster than they could have happened in 2008. And that is because of an ad, just a, a growth in the virality of social media communications. 
somebody can cause a run on the bank on Twitter these days because the information can spread that a bank might be insolvent super incredibly fast. Not only that, but also wire transfers, ACA transfers, just like time to settlement is overall much faster. And so we are, what is it, 15 years later after 2008, things go much faster these days. News spreads much faster. News spreads, spreads like wildfire. And the ability for mobile banking to allow for people to with, uh, submit requests to withdraw is almost instantaneous. You can line up in a virtual queue to withdraw all of your money out of a bank on social uh, on your mobile device like that. And so that's one part of this story. Uh, and this is what Jim Bianco is saying is like, Welcome to the world of mobile banking. Gone are the frictions of standing in line with tellers instructed to count money slowly. How did $42 billion get withdrawn Friday alone without thousands in line? Your phone. Uh, and so Jim's message to the bankers and regulators worldwide is that this should be scary. Uh, the entire $17 trillion deposit base is a hair trigger away expecting instant liquidity. And he's saying banks will never be the same. So this is like the external force. We have external powers, external technologies allowing for bank runs to happen faster. But first, like there has to be an actually underlying fundamental structure as to why there would be a run of the bank in the first place. And this goes back to the rising interest rates, uh, the fastest rising interest rates that we have ever had in our lifetimes, probably ever. Uh, and so Silicon Valley Bank and many, many other banks were still paying half a percent on accounts when treasury bills were yielding these banks 5%. So banks are like taking in tons of profits. And so Jim Bianco says, initially as rates passed two, three, four percent the public did not notice. It's like, oh, uh, I don't really care about the yield of my savings account. It's been a zero for forever. Never really like making the connection that as interest rates rise, they should actually be getting those yields. Um, and so the bankers, Jim Bianco claims, thought that deposits were well anchored at their bank and not moving regardless of the interest rates paid. But at 5%, when yields finally, were, uh, the public could get 5% yields on, on treasury bills, uh, people started to realize that they needed to move their money out of savings accounts and deposits that weren't getting them those yields and move them into funds that they could. Uh, and so banks started to get squeezed to convert their loans and securities to cash instantly so depositors could leave for better rates. And the bleed out from tech firms started to, to make struggling happen. And this is where, uh, in addition, uh, we have so we have those two impacts. We have the discrepancy of yield and people wanting to get more yield because treasury rates are going up. Then you have people like Senator Warren, who uh, starts tweeting out with glee, Jim Bianco says, about uh, Silvergate going out of business and depositors at SVB, he says, gets the message, pick up their phones and starts lining up to withdraw the money out of Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, and so Jim Bianco finishes finishes this and saying the FDIC needs to raise the deposit insurance ceiling to unlimited as they did in 2008. Besides 250,000 is a made up number anyways. So he says make up a bigger number. Um, so this is Jim Bianco's autopsy of of what happened, Ryan. And so I'll pause there and kind of get your reaction from that. Yeah, I think I think so. We're getting right into the why this happened, right? But can we go over the facts of like what actually happened last week? Because to me, and probably for a lot of people who aren't like glued to their screens, this was sort of a whirlwind. So we had Silvergate Bank, which is a crypto focused bank last week that um, essentially did they announce uh, unwind insolvency, um, you know, and that, that was kind of the first, I guess, domino to fall here. And I believe that this was a fairly orderly process in that 
equity shareholders were going to get wiped in Silvergate, but depositors would be made whole. And this was kind of announced set in motion, I believe, was that early last week now, David? And this is, so this is number one, bank number one, Silvergate Bank. Now what you're talking about here is Silicon Valley Bank. And they had what I guess we would describe as, as sort of a run on the bank where a whole bunch of depositors wanted to withdraw at the same time and couldn't and froze. I'm just like, I want to get the facts of uh, what happened right first is, um, yeah, w- what happened late last week? People did a run on the bank. Uh, and so all people started to understand that Silicon Valley Bank did not have sufficient liquidity. And so it, it turns into a prisoner's dilemma. Uh, and so as soon as some people started to realize, they started to withdraw, which starts to compound the problem, right? A classic run on the bank. But why uh, was it just Silicon Valley? Why not the entire banking sector? Like it wasn't like there was this whole global scare where all American citizens were like, I got to withdraw. Why was it specific to Silicon Valley? Uh, well, I think th- because a lot of these banks are doing this, uh, the classic thing where they do, where they uh, invest customer deposits into long dated securities, long dated treasuries, not all, completely, but some of it. And Silicon Valley Bank was the most egregious in having a mismatch between their short term liquidity commitments to some deposits and how much they were investing into long term illiquid treasury bills. And what depositors in the market just woke up and realized this. They were like, oh, my God, um, rates are going up. Uh, mm-hmm. There was Silvergate that had a banking crisis earlier this week. We mm-hmm. better check on Silicon Valley Bank because we know they they purchased a whole bunch of um, government uh, government bonds, essentially, that are now kind of underwater and have decreased in price. And so they might not have enough assets to cover li- liabilities. And if they don't have enough assets to cover liabilities, then depositors' funds are at stake. Withdraw your funds. Like this, this kind of communication is going on. It's phone calls, Zoom calls, Telegram chats, social media chatter amplifies it. And that precipitates a run on Silicon Valley Bank as well. And all of this happened, what, like Thursday and Friday toward the end of last week? Yeah, that's correct. And I don't really think there's any one like silver bullet that caused this whole thing. Uh, I think really the messaging that I'm getting is that as interest rates increased, it would put more stress on the banking sector. Uh, And that's fine, but they did it too fast. Interest rates went way too fast. And eventually that this catches up, right? You remember when we had Jim Bianco on last time, he was like, yeah, they're going to continue to raise rates until something breaks. Well, uh, the combination, what Jim Bianco is saying is the combination of a mismanaged treasury, which Silicon Bank has alleged to have been like very uh, egregiously mismanaging their their balance sheet, right? Not enough liquidity, too uh, too long investments into too long term, uh, long time horizon uh, uh, treasuries, and mortgage backed securities. And so, as interest rates increase, more and more banks become under pressure, and the first banks begin to fall. And it just so appears that Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, and perhaps also Signature Bank are the ones that are furthest out on the risk spectrum. And so they have taken uh, the the first wave of hits when it comes to stress in the banking banking sector. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. So so I'm I'm trying to understand like when we get into the so that's what happened. There was a run on the bank, and mm-hmm. and then what did they just freeze? They they stopped uh, depositors from being able to withdraw their funds. So there's an actual freeze on the bank. So if you got in early enough, you could actually withdraw your funds from mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank and put it in another larger bank because I. I guess that's where everyone is fleeing. You, you you go from the weaker bank to the stronger bank. 
Um, But at some point in time, there's an actual freeze where Silicon Valley Bank said no more withdrawals. We have to freeze. The FDIC has has come in. The feds are here and they are now trying to sort things out. And by the way, depositors, if you had millions of dollars in Silicon Valley Bank, you'll have to wait till Monday for more news. This is sort of what happened on Friday, right? Yeah. And apparently the FDIC was uh, eyeing SVB prior to this. So they had live data and were monitoring uh, the bank prior to the actual shuttering of the of the bank. And so, so they, they were ready. Of, they, they were, were ready for, for action. This. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then and- whose fault is this? So, so, okay. So we mentioned a few people, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got a few different stakeholders here. We've got Powell and the Fed. They are mm-hmm. raising rates very aggressively and very quickly. We've yep. got Silicon Valley Bank who has a balance sheet mm-hmm. and they are purchasing they could purchase securities. They could purchase all sorts of things, but they have right. specifically chosen to purchase long dated securities and um, more, some mortgage backed securities. And then you have depositors, which are a whole bunch of Silicon Valley tech companies, right. um, but also some mom and pop businesses Venture and some average startups, everyday yeah. uh, Americans. But disproportionately, it was kind of like Silicon Valley uh, VCs and, and startups and that sort of Those were the depositors here. Mm-hmm. So of those three parties, We've got like the Fed, we've got Silicon Valley executives and management, and we've got depositors. Whose fault is it that Silicon Valley Bank is in this situation? Well, I think a lot of people are, are pointing fingers right now. I think it is a collection of, of all of those things. Um, mismanagement by the management of the bank, uh, a lot of risky uh, startup ventures making risky startup venture bets in t- inside of a, a 0% interest rate environment. Um, and then you have Elizabeth Warren, who's going after the banking sector, causing uh, fears to have to to be had about Silvergate, which you know starts to permeate into all right. What, what are the banks that are very proximate to Silvergate in terms of their client base? Well, that's Silicon Valley Bank and also Signature Bank, uh, and so it's all of these things, right? And then it's the virality of uh, social media and the fact that depositors weren't getting sufficient yield on their deposits, and so they withdrew from Silver. Uh, from Silicon Valley Bank to go elsewhere. It's all of these things. Um, it's, and so, but so I think that's why the claim that this was kind of inevitable. Um, Balaji, I know, is is really pointing the fingers at the powers that be, if you will. So he tweets out, the Fed said uh, till December 20 of 2021 that inflation was transitory. They let banks buy bonds with customer deposits, then suddenly hiked rates to decadal heights. The bonds they just sold got less valuable overnight. Anyone who trusted the Fed got wrecked, and now so did their customers. So some some people are definitely just pointing fingers and saying it's the Fed's fault. Uh, the fastest rate hike in history uh, changed the paradigm of investing way too quickly for banks to be able to respond. And so rather than it being a slow transition from one paradigm to another, it was too fast. It was too fast. What? Who, whose fault do you think it is? I, I like. I agree. There's some shared blame here, and th- there was the fourth that fourth car- category that you mentioned of like mm-hmm. politicians just causing bank runs right. um, because they're chasing clout, which mm-hmm. is just crazy that that can happen uh, these days. But that seems to be the case. But I, I guess if I'm assessing those four different groups of who's at fault, I feel like the Fed has got to bear the weight of this responsibility. Mm-hmm like maybe 40 to 60%, right? Um, decreasing rates to zero, increasing them so fast, money printer, easy money era, all of these things, even allowing like tech companies 
low cost of capital and sort of bubble style of of um, venture capital pricing and, and funding, right? So they've got a, a disproportionate view. You could also, of course, blame any clout chasing politicians that mm -hmm. were pushing a bank run. You also have to blame Silicon Valley Bank, don't you? Their management. They yep. didn't have to purchase long dated securities in this way. Correct. I mean, they knew they should have known the risks going in given the climate and given what, it, of course, the Fed is going to need to raise rates. If they were managing risk and other banks aren't in the situation, if they were managing risks appropriately, they would have had a different portfolio of assets kind mm -hmm. of backing uh, their entire bank. So you have to weigh a lot of the blame there. Maybe that, that's another 40%. Maybe it's 50 or 60. I, I could be persuaded. But depositors, did they like, what's your, because I know there's been a lot of debate about depositors, right? It's like some people are like, hey, uh, these Silicon Valley tech bros, you know, they're just rich fat cats and hang them out to dry. Don't, a lot of people, at least on the political side of, of Twitter, were saying that we, the FDIC shouldn't go above $250,000 per account and actually rescue some of the depositors. What blame right, the, do you the, think the depositors have? The word bailout have? has been invoked recently, right? Right. And I think people have, since, since we are 15 years away from 2008, this, we've lost what the word bailout really means. Um, and so this was a big line in the sand that was drawn that people were picking a side on. It's like, as a depositor, as a customer of a bank, do you uh, are, does the word bailout mean something to you? Or are you just a client who needs to get your money back? And I don't think in 2008, the word bailout ever meant about, that was always directed towards the management and shareholders. In 2008, shareholders of banks got bailouts. In this, in what's happening today with SBV and and Silvergate and the other banks, all equity holders are going to zero. They are not getting bailed out. Customer deposits. The only thing that really seems to be changing here is that the FDIC insurance number of a quarter million dollars is being temporarily expanded to infinity. As in, if you are a customer, you are not bearing any risk whatsoever of the bank. And this is because the banking sector is at this point a public institution. It is a public-private agreement between the Fed and the Treasury and all the commercial banks that are out there. And so if you are a customer of a bank inside of the United States, you effectively, meaningfully are a customer of a public institution. And so if one bank fails, that doesn't mean you, the customer, lose your money for taking risk. No one really thinks themselves as taking risk when they deposit their money in a bank. That And other people were like, oh... Uh, I don't like other people on crypto Twitter that I was seeing, perhaps like the, the anti-capitalist left to cast a wide net over these people say like, oh, these are all just like millionaire, billionaire startup people. Like if they get wiped out, it doesn't really matter. It started to get politicized, but that conversation didn't really go forward anywhere. Uh, I think people came to consensus that the word bailout specifically means for the management and shareholders of a bank. And these people are getting zero they are getting nothing. They are getting wiped out while all customers are being made 100% whole. Yeah. And I, I look, I think that there's also some recognition that um, Silicon Valley Bank, if you don't stop it here mm -hmm. and you just dismiss that as, oh, those are, those are the tech bro depositors. We don't care about them, right? Well, next up is going to be your, your bank like down the road. Maybe it's the funds that you keep in, in Wells Fargo or Bank of America or something else, like the contagion would spread. And that mm -hmm. was the real concern over the weekend. I feel like we're maybe front running a little bit of this because what happened was the bank run on Friday, right? And then eventually, what was it announced late yesterday? 
Um, mm-hmm. The Biden administration announced that they would um, make sure, make all depositors in Silicon Valley Bank whole. Do we want to share that side of the story? Yeah, so a joint statement came out really at the final hour, Sunday evening, I believe at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. It could not have been any later because markets- well, it could have been on re- Monday morning, right, I guess? So if it was still on Monday morning, Asian markets were going to open and and that was going to start to create you know, contagion, long, the, the, the contagion, bad, right? So, yeah. it, you know, finance is a global event, right? Uh, and so Asian markets need to needed to be quelled before uh, they opened up. And so at the, basically at the final hour, they were uh, the idea here is that the Treasury FDIC was looking for a buyer to step in to buy Silvergate Bank. Uh, but that would have you mean to mean Silicon been, Valley Bank, not Silvergate, Sil- right? Excuse me. Yes. SVB Bank. Yes. Uh, a buyer did not show up in time. I'm sure the assets under Silicon Valley Bank are great. Uh, but the idea here is that they were waiting for a buyer to step in, didn't happen fast enough. And so at the final hour, they I- issued this joint statement from the Department of Treasury, the Federal Reserve, and the FDIC. So I'll read out a select few paragraphs here. Um, After receiving a recommendation from the boards of the FDIC and the Federal Reserve and consulting with the president, Secretary Yellen approved actions enabling the FDIC to complete its resolution of Silicon Valley Bank in a manner that fully protects all depositors. Depositors will have access to all of their money starting Monday, March 13th. No no losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer. Put a pin in that one because we're going to come back to that one. Because, yeah, how is that uh, possible? Yeah, how is that possible? Uh, so the the punchline here is, babe, wake up. A new form of QE just dropped. Uh, <laughs> we'll cover that. Okay. Uh, we are also announcing a similar systemic risk ex- exception for Signature Bank. That is also extremely po- uh, something that we need to to pull in here. Let me go find this that actually that section here. Signature Bank. No one knew that we were worried about Signature Bank. It was Silicon Valley Bank that we're worried about. And so in this press release, they also say, hey, not only have we seized and paused and taken control over Silicon Valley Bank, we are also doing it for Signature Bank. Signature Bank is the other main big crypto banking, uh, crypto banker after Silvergate Bank. It's and actually so, like, remember we found this out last times week. Bigger. It's, it's 10 times bigger. 10 times bigger. And so Signature Bank was closed by its state chartering authority. All depositors of this institution will also be made whole. And with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank, also no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. So two banks are getting seized by the FDIC, all depositors being made whole, equity sh- shareholders getting wiped out. Um, they, they follow up and say shareholders and certain unsecured debtors will not be protected senior management has also been removed. So this is the, there is no bailout line. There's no bailout like in 2008. Uh, any losses to the deposit, ins- uh, any losses to the deposit insurance fund to support uninsured depositors will be recovered by a special assessment on the bank. So that's really the punchline here. Um, all all creditors, all de- uh, depositors into these banks are totally fine. All equity shareholders and risk takers are totally wiped out. Um, so, the- so Treasury stepping in and mm-hmm. saying, okay, we are not going to let this contagion continue. Mm-hmm. We're not going to leave it in question whether deposits uh, get protected or not or guaranteed or not. We're just going to guarantee all depositors of Silicon Valley Bank so that contagion yes. doesn't spread, right? Correct. So stepping in, and that's probably a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also saying, though, maybe this is part of what you wanted to put a pin in, that it won't cost the, the taxpayers anything. How Let's does talk that happen? About that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the bank's insolvent. There's no money in the bank. The, a run on the bank happened. There are securities and treasuries that are worth certain amounts. Uh, and so the, it's actually worth saying, it's worth saying that like 
the value of what is on the balance sheet of these banks are strong. They just can't, there's time to maturity, right? They have to wait for those things to actually discover their They value. may be underwater, but they're not underwater like, you know, right. Luna Terra underwater. Right. Like it's, it's not, not going FCX to zero. where there's nothing there. Right. Like most of the stuff is there. It's just like this time to maturity thing is the issue. Uh, and so there's, there is a lot of, but regardless, depositors need to withdraw immediately. And so this is where this new form of QE is coming from, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and so this is uh, Tarun Chitra who tweeted out, I think this is from a Bloomberg terminal saying, uh, th this is a member of the Signature Bank saying that I think if we had been allowed to open tomorrow, that we could have continued. We have a solid loan book. We're the biggest lender in New York City under the low income housing uh, credit said former Congressman Barney Frank, a signature bank board member known for the Dodd-Frank Act, which overhauled U.S. financial regulation in the wake of the global financial crisis. I think the bank could have been a going concern. So a member of signature bank said, said that we probably were good, but they seized us anyways. So this is part of where this is this an attack on crypto question comes in. So that, that's the first question that we're, we're posing again. Was this a legitimate anti-contagion effort? Probably. Was it also an attack on crypto? And also, since the $250,000 federal deposit insurance number is being completely neglected, what's the real number? Is the real number just infinity now? Like they're all, all deposits are now completely insured across all banks at all times? Because that's kind of the precedent being set here. I think the answer to all those questions seems to be like, Yes. Yeah. This is what it yes. seems. They were stopping the contagion, right? Mm -hmm. FDIC limit of 250K. That's the letter of the law. It's not actually what's going to happen. If there is bank contagion, the threat of bank contagion, then any deposit that you have in a US bank account is good. It's mm -hmm. solid. You're good. They're going to insure that up to the whatever amount, infinity amount, whatever amount they need to be. And then also, yes, David, I'm concerned that this is an attack on crypto. If it, and I'm wondering, and I'm worried about this, this hasn't been the case yet that we've seen, but um, there was the Biden tweet last night. I don't know if you read mm -hmm. that, where he said, we're going to uh, find those, hold those accountable. This one. Uh, yes. I'm firmly committed to holding those responsible for this mess fully accountable and continuing our efforts to strengthen oversight. Who is accountable for this mess in Biden's mind? In the exact in Treasury's mind, in the Fed's mind, do you think that they're going to like investigate inside the house, like the calls coming from inside the house? Are they going to like go to Powell and be like, "Hey, you caused this"? Maybe a little bit, but all the are they also going to look for external actors to kind of smear? And who will those actors be? The fact that they are preemptively closing Signature Bank mm -hmm. is not a good sign for crypto, because mm -hmm. if you believe who is that? Uh, was that Barney Frank? on the board yes. uh, that you just read. Mm -hmm. If you believe him, he was saying, hey, Signature was fine. We were going to weather this storm, not a big right. deal. And they are being targeted for what reason? I mean, Signature Bank is a, is essentially a crypto bank here. Yeah, yeah. And, and Nick Carter is responding to this Biden tweet saying, uh, I'll crack the case for you, Congress and your own administration for causing the inflation that made the Fed hike 500 bips and plunge all banks into insolvency is what is... Uh, responsible for all this. So the idea that the Biden administration is going to go hold those accountable when it was like Elizabeth Warren stoking fears, that was one part of this. The Federal Reserve raising interest rates super fast, that was another part of this. Like it, it's part of this whole entire apparatus 
and the own administration is here to blame. Not that like a different administration would have done anything different, but like raising interest rates way too fast. And then Elizabeth Warren being very scary about the crypto banking sector has a lot to do with it. Right. Yeah. But what I'm saying, David, is too, is I think that they are prepping to throw crypto. They could be prepping to throw crypto sure. under the bus here. Sure. Oh, I think I think the headlines, if you let me read mainstream media, are all ready to say uh, the bet on crypto is what felled Silvergate and Silicon Valley and Signature. Yeah. But, okay, but right now, Ryan, banks in this morning of trading yes. started popping circuit breakers left and right. So the there's a not what a is that? What is this down seventy four percent? My God! Yeah, so look at this. So here at the top we have J P Morgan down one point five percent, right? Yeah. Uh, Goldman Sachs down one point nine percent. C I think is Citigroup down three point five percent. Those are all the big ones, right? The big Those ones are, are like, fine because they're too big to fail, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, the, and then there's other ones that are down 5%, 9 9%, 8%, 65%, 75%, 26%. So what's happening here is there is like a flight. Here's all, all the circuit breakers that just got halted on the New York Stock Exchange, all in the banking sector. Uh, and so First Republic Bank is the one that's down like 75%. And other U.S. regional national banks are their equity values. The share, share prices are just getting hit. Brutally. Well, it's because right? shareholders are getting wiped right now, aren't they? Bank on, shareholders. Well, so not not on all of them, but people are now realizing that equity they could be. They, they could be if there is indeed a run on the banks because there's no bailouts coming for these regional banks, and so wow. small to middle tier banks are getting absolutely pummeled right now because everyone realizes that FDIC deposit insurance is. Uh, infinity is, is infinity and so like it, it, all of the the value of risk taking and the equity shares of these banks is like why would you take that risk uh and so i mean mm. stock prices of again middle sized or small sized regional banks are down whereas the big banks are kind of totally fine uh here is xlf which is uh the sector for the banking sector the banking financial sector uh and so as you can see this is this is here it is on wow. tuesday it's quite the and candle. here it is now we are the banking sector as a whole is down 12 percent, which i mean in crypto is kind of but i mean this could be good news for the big banks right because for the big banks well because it's consolidation right yeah there's a flight yeah. to safety there's consolidation so here so here's a David Sachs takes from the All In podcast. The Fed may or may not realize it, but it has created a two-tier banking system. Tier one, systemically important banks. These are the two big to fail banks. If you have money there, it's a true deposit. You can't lose it. Tier two, everyone else. If you have money right. there, it's not, not a true deposit. It's an unsecured loan to the bank. You could lose it in a bank failure. Uh, and so I think this is what people are worried about is, uh, is, is what the president Well, he is put that tweet worried. out. It looks like he put that tweet out before the uh, FDIC came and kind of oh, you're right. bailed yeah. out all depositors. Yeah, this, is true. this is true. So, But I do think it carries that like the tier two is everyone else whose shareholders could get completely wiped. Right. right. Shareholders are not are taking are all the risk here. Yeah. All the risk. They're bearing all right. the risk. Depositors are bearing none of it, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so here's a tweet from uh, Jake Stravinsky, which I think is actually like the great point to focus on as it relates to crypto banking. Jake says the closures of Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature create a huge gap in the market for crypto friendly banking. There may be banks that can seize this opportunity without taking on the same risks as these. The question is if ba ba uh, banking regulators will try and stand in their way. So now that these crypto banks are gone. The and Jake Signature is, is gone, right, David? Signature is gone. It is gone. Like, so, dead. so. 
and this just happened, this was news as of yesterday. So we didn't as know this on night, Friday yeah. mm -hmm. that along with SVB, that treasury and that uh, FDIC was stepping in to signature and wiping out shareholders again, but protecting depositor funds. We don't know why they did that, but like that is, this is the crypto banking sector, right? These three yeah. banks. Yeah. So, so Yano from Blockworks says, uh, with Silvergate and, and Signature gone, here are some crypto friendly alternative banks. Uh, BCB, Cross River, Customers Bank, Jewel Mercury Series, not perfect solutions, but should get the job done. Um, for how long though? Is this how the cards fall? Yeah. And, and for how long? Like, how, is Liz Warren done or is she coming after these next? You know? Well, hmm. yeah. I, uh, I think that's the question of where this contagion could spread. Um, wow. So a lot's happened. Uh, do you feel like this is contained right now? I know we're going to talk about USDC, but as far as the, the banking sector itself in the US, are we contained or is, you know, are we, what can we expect moving forward? What have you kind of heard and pieced together? Well, I think with this announcement that happened Sunday night, that was the containment, right? It was a complete and, uh, unquestioned unconditional protection of all deposits of anywhere in, in any bank account ever at least in this you know uh, acute crisis that we are having so no one that no one who has money in a bank should be scared and now that bank run fears are probably completely over because why would you fear it because they're just saying they're they're pulling out an infinite insurance fund for any deposits um the net effect of this is showing up in banking equities right Instead, instead of people losing money, like all of these small to mid tier uh, regional banks are taking the losses. That's why all these things are red. So depositors completely in the green or at least not, you know, zero, which is fine. That's what they expected. All of that risk and all of that loss is being is being transferred from depositors over to equity holders of these small to middle tier regional banks. And then the big banks are like, oh, we don't care. We're, we're totally fine. Um is a contagion done? I yeah, right. That's the whole point of the whole FDIC statement. The contagion's over. Now it's just there's a complete reshuffling of what it means to be a bank inside of the United States. The contagion's over for the depositors, it seems like, but we mm -hmm. don't know how bank shareholders will fare or the banks themselves will fare. But the market is interpreting this as good news if right. you are a too big to fail bank. Yes. Yeah. Well, at least, yeah. So like they're being dragged down just by association, but if you're a bank and you're only down 1.5% today, you're, you're, you're doing just fine. Wow. Well, what else we Is got it, coming up, David? Uh, we're coming up. We're going to talk about USDC. Actually, we'll, we'll bang out some USDC stuff right now. Um, so, so what was at risk was 3.3 billion of the 40 billion of total USDC reserves were at Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, and so this is when stablecoins started to suffer, lost their peg, right? And so I took this screenshot this morning. Have you ever seen stablecoin charts like this in the bottom right here? The closest was nuts. the closest was like three years ago this time when DAI was trading. It wasn't USDC. Right. But yeah. I was trading off of its um, peg and it went down to like 92 cents or 93 cents. Yeah, but that even that was slow. It was a slow peg, it was. slow rise. Right. And this is yep. USDC. USDC. has always been perfectly redeemable for a dollar. Fell all the way down to like 98 cents. And it was trading out of, trading down out of a scare that basically its deposits in Silicon Valley Bank wouldn't be redeemable. And so, you know, <laughs> The issued USDC was unbacked for a period of time. Is that why it was trading down? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So it got as low as 88 cents, which I think is irrationally low. <laughs> but 
uh, it got it got there anyways. Uh, and so this was this was really what was at stake, and this is why crypto markets sold off. So it, it sold off because USDC was under threat. Dai is basically one to one pegged to USDC, uh, and so those two big stable coins went down to ninety cents or so. And then also Silicon Valley Bank is the bank for many many startups. Um, you and I we started getting messages from our angel investment saying, "Hey, uh, just FYI, we're totally fine. We didn't bank at Silicon Valley Bank. That was best case scenario." Others would be like, "Oh yeah, we totally bank at Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, we're kind of we're praying basically." Uh, so that's what this last weekend was for like so many startups. And so these are these are all crypto bullish and crypto adjacent people. Uh, and so and so it, but it really directly impacted the crypto markets through USDC. Jeremy Alaire put out this tweet uh, yesterday at, at 7.20 p.m., about one hour after the news that the FDIC was going to come and provide infinity insurance. And he just he just says. 100% of USDC reserves are safe and secure, and we will complete our transfer of remaining SVB cash to BNY Mellon. So uh, all of circles, deposits that back USDC are going from Silicon Valley to their other bank, BNY Mellon. Uh, bigger with bank. A closure, bigger bank, yep. With the closure of Signature Bank, we will not be able to process minting and redemption through Signet, and we'll be relying on settlements through BNY Mellon. Additionally, we are bringing on a new transaction banking partner. We'll auto automated minting and redemption potentially as soon as tomorrow, that's today. And we are committing to building a robust and automated USCC settlement and reserve operations with the highest quality and transparency. So USCC getting completely off, completely solvent, just picking new banks now. Were you uh, ever worried about USCC like this weekend? How, how worried were you? I think the worst the worst case scenario that I envisioned was that their deposits go to zero and uh, all USCC just takes a haircut. So like one USCC becomes worth like 93 cents or something like that. I think that was the worst case scenario. Other people were like dooming that it's going to zero and that never really made any sense to me. What about you? Yeah, I agree. That never made sense to me. And it, but even like the it only being worth ninety cents mm -hmm. didn't make sense to me, unless unless the Fed decided to not guarantee um, depositors at Silicon Valley Bank, and and also not just that that wouldn't have been enough, and also go and target crypto, or go and right. or. The crypto banking sector, like Signature, for example, was also mm -hmm. underwater in the same way that Silicon Valley Bank was. So it felt like a, there were even a lot of steps necessary to make USDC only worth like 90 cents, potentially. I do feel like the market responded irrationally about that. And I, I thought all weekend, I was kind of a little, I was more relaxed about this because it seemed obvious to me that Treasury would have to step in and right. stop this contagion at the source. You, right. you just can't have a bank run right. on a top 20 bank in the US right. in this in this climate where you have interest rates you know above 5% and you have a lot, a lot of other banks that are looking at um, Silicon Valley Bank and being like, oh God. And then to the, the fact that, that uh, you mentioned Jim, Jim tweeting earlier was like, now we're in uh, web two banking essentially. So you can just deposit on a dime. That's right. what everyone right. was preparing to do on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think if you do this math, 3.3 billion of the total 40 billion of USCC reserves were under threat at SVB. So that is 8.25 cents on the dollar for one USCC. So if that went to zero, you would have a 92 and a half cents or 91 and a half cents USCC. But again, remember, remember SVB, it's not like they didn't have nothing there. Like they were had plenty of total they had like 90% of the 100% or something right? like and this and so like the idea of of USCC losing 
even you know close to 10 cents it was never gonna David, happen crypto is just jittery man they're like oh does like crypto <laughs> learned a lot about reactionary yeah crypto learned a lot about banking i think last week that i yes. mean we just lived in 2022 we lived through a stable coin called <laughs> uh you know usdt the lunaterra ecosystem that dropped to zero right? right we saw ftx which was like a crypto bank that had nothing mm -hmm. uh, backing its deposits and so I think people in crypto sort of extrapolated that to the U.S. banking system. We're like, oh, the USDC right. could drop to zero. Yeah. And now USDC to USD conversions are completely up online and operational. Uh, and this is Coinbase tweeting this out. Uh, so USDC, crisis inside of two and a half days, completely fine. And I wouldn't even call it a crisis in the first place. Okay. So coming up next, we got to talk about the markets because crypto is up big. Uh, and also we have to unpack, uh, we've got 10 year, the 10 year treasury falling down below the 200 day moving average down to three and a half percent. We'll talk about how that's actually kind of a solution to the problem that created it in the first place. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, is this an attack on crypto and what are people saying all about that? And really the punchline here is that, is this the pivot? Is this the pivot moment? So we're going to get to all those details and more as soon as we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody digital assets. Uniswap is, of course, a decentralized exchange, but you know this because you've been listening to Bankless. But did you know that the Uniswap web app has a shiny new fiat on-ramp? Now you could go directly from fiat in your bank to tokens in DeFi inside of Uniswap. Not only that, but Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism Layer 2s are supported right out of the gate. But that's just DeFi. Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator, letting you find more listings for the best prices across the NFT world. With Uniswap, you can sweep floors on multiple NFTs, and Uniswap's universal router will optimize your gas fees for you. Uniswap is making it as easy as possible to go from bank account to bankless assets across Ethereum. And we couldn't be more thankful for having them as a sponsor. So go to app.uniswap.org today to buy, sell, or swap tokens and NFTs. The Phantom Wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number one wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon. But that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide your uglies, burn the spam, and also manage your NFT sale listings from inside the wallet. Phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet, but it makes chain management easy, displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites. Phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked. So get on the Phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to phantom.app slash waitlist to get access in late February. Hey, Bankless Nation, if you're listening to this, it's because you're on the free Bankless RSS feed. Did you know that there's an ad-free version of Bankless that comes with the Bankless Premium subscription? No ads, just straight to the content. But that's just one of many things that a premium subscription gets you. There's also the Token Report, a monthly bullish, bearish, neutral report on the hottest tokens of the month. And the regular updates from the Token Report go into the Token Bible, your first stop shop for every token worth investigating in crypto. Bankless Premium also gets you a 30% discount to the Permissionless Conference, which means it basically just pays for its Itself. There's also the airdrop guide to make sure you don't miss a drop in 2023, but really 
The best part about Bankless Premium is hanging out with me, Ryan, and the rest of the Bankless team in the Inner Circle Discord only for premium members. Want the alpha? Check out Ben the Analyst's DGen Pit, where you can ask him questions about the token report. Got a question? I've got my own Q&A room for any questions that you might have. At Bankless, we have huge things planned for 2023, including a new website with login with your Ethereum address capabilities, and we're super excited to ship what we are calling Bankless 2.0 soon TM. So if you want extra help exploring the frontier, subscribe to Bankless Premium. It's under 50 cents a day and provides a wealth of knowledge and support on your journey west. I'll see you in the Discord. We are back, and as of this morning, the 10-year yield has fallen below 3.5%, 3.5%. And so yields are coming down, which is actually, ironically, a huge solution to what is causing this bank run in the first place, this bank banking crisis, is that yields got too high. And these uh, treasuries and asset-backed securities that all of these banks bought, because interest rates went up, the value of these things went down. So yields are going down to 3.5%. Uh, the Fed fund futures is now showing a 60% odds, 60% chance of zero BIPs increase in the next, uh, in uh, raising the interest rates. So now there's a 60, the market is pricing a 60% chance that we do not increase yields. Uh, that, uh, that's up, rates. that's up from 35%, it looks like in the yes. last, uh, you know, yes. 12 hours or so. Right. And so, Ryan, the market is saying the Fed is done, something broke. So many people, now all the macro people that we've had on over the last year have said the Fed is going to raise interest rates until something breaks. Something broke. I think something broke. Yeah, you, can't, you can't just keep raising interest rates until you have bank runs across the country, right? right. So this is, has right. to affect their policy moving forward. Yes, that's exactly right. And so uh, people are now, and this is, I think, part of the story of why crypto is absolutely ripping today. Ether is almost at 1,700. Bitcoin is at... Almost twenty five thousand dollars, two thousand twenty four thousand three hundred and fifty, um, and so the market is starting to price in a Fed pivot. Um, not only that, but we have a new form of QE, uh, and so this is Caitlin Long who said who's saying the big four U.S. banks just got a two hundred ten billion dollar Fed bailout. How? Fed's new uh, bank insurance program. This is the new insurance program that they that they come up with to help ensure uh, uh, the depositors. That new facility is allowing banks to borrow against the negative collateral value shown on this graph at par instead of the actual market value. So that time to maturity, banks are allowed to borrow against their assets at the time of maturity, not the time, not the value of that they currently are. It, it, that just happened yesterday. That just happened yesterday. I want everyone to know this. So part of that press release wasn't just that um, depositors at Silicon Valley Bank and Signature would be safe, and so are all depositors in the US mm -hmm. uh, system, but they also kind of like snuck this in. Right. Which is, yes. which is basically that um, these securities would be valued not at their market value, not what they can be sold for on the secondary market, but at their par value, right? Their nominal so value. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. as that, that's as if uh, you bought a house for say a hundred thousand dollars or something, right. mm -hmm. and the market dropped. It's now worth sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, but for whatever reason, the U.S. 
banking system decided to say, eh, whatever, the market price isn't right, $60,000. Right. We'll, we'll give you a loan based on, a home equity loan based on the $100,000. That's what they're doing. The, the $100,000 plus all of the rental income you could be getting over the next 10 years. Right, That that's what the par value is essentially. Yes. And so that is a huge uh, QE measure to the entire US banking system. I haven't fully right. wrapped my head around what this, what this means, but that was kind of snuck in there. And they're doing this so that... Um, another Silicon Valley bank doesn't pop up. Right, right, exactly. They're doing this because people need liquidity. And so they are offering liquidity to the highly capitalized banks in a way that allows, basically this is a form of QE. This is a sneaky form of printing money that isn't actually the money printer. Uh, so this is why I led this section, this tweet with like, babe, wake up, a new form of QE just dropped. They love new forms of QE. Money printing that doesn't actually appear like money printing. This is taking equity values of assets that don't exist and allowing people to borrow against them. It is a well, new form of money creation. It's basically so that all the other Silicon Valley bank situations where they purchase too many long dated securities, right? And now they're kind of underwater. It's so that that doesn't happen again. That's right. Because Silicon Valley bank could just like rinse, wash, repeat for every weakened right. bank in the US who, who did this kind of maneuver. And there are probably many of them. Right. And so this kind of but, but it is. How are they going to pay for this? Money supply. That's <laughs> right. essentially it. Yes. Okay. So we have uh, treasury yields coming down, uh, which means risk taking can go up, right? We have the Fed funds futures now showing 60% odds of not increasing right after the Fed said like, hey, we're totally going to increase by the way, but and not even a little bit by a lot. That Remember that was last week. The Fed last week said, oh yeah, we're going to increase it by more than 25 bips um, today. The, the market is pricing in 60% odds. They're not doing anything. Uh, we have this new form of QE coming. So what does crypto do? What's crypto do, Ryan? Bitcoin is up 12%. Ether is up 9%. BNB is up 8%. Crypto is green across the board. And this is one of the first times, Ryan, that I've actually seen crypto price action be related to the actual point of crypto in the first place, which is self-custodied bearer asset instruments. Crypto is being priced by its fundamentals. It's so good to see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only just did we just say that uh, USDC is is safe, which is mm -hmm. obviously good for, for crypto. If that had not have been safe, not only would it have been terrible for the US banking system, it would have been terrible for USDC. And I think crypto would have gotten hit uh, on top of that. We also um, have seen that the Fed pivot is in full motion. And then we've also seen this is the thing that crypto is built to uh, prevent is bank runs, mm -hmm. contagion. This is what ETH and Bitcoin do very well. Where DeFi, you can see kind of all of the assets that, that, back, um, that, that back any kind of lend, uh, lending or borrowing asset on chain. You can see all that, you have full transparency. You can't get these types of bank runs in crypto. So the use case has just been proved out even, even more. So Ryan, here is uh, where we finished the weekly roll up last Thursday. There's the candle that happened right after we recorded the weekly roll-up. Ether went down as low as 17%, down 17% since we recorded last Thursday. But it's actually ending the week, uh, ending the weekend, excuse me, up 2.5%. Wow. That's Ether. Here's Bitcoin. Bitcoin's actually up even better. Uh, so Bitcoin's doing the same thing. Bitcoin is up about 4% since uh, we recorded last Thursday. Uh, here's the USDC price. Look at that. That is nuts. That is absolutely crazy. Zoom out, zoom out. 
What do you mean zoom out? Just keep zooming out, Odyssey. <laughs> it's like, look at this. That's a silly chart. It's very, very silly. Uh, so USDC gets as low as, man, as low as 88 cents. And now it's back up. It's actually over a dollar. Oh, no, it's not. Point, point 0.999 cents for one USDC. Wow. Um, Joe Weisenthal tweets up, Bitcoin is up about 10% in the last 24 hours. One of the cleanest divergences versus other risk assets that I can recall. Uh, and I just love this one, man. Look, Bitcoin up 9%, Ether up 6%, Charles Schwab <laughs> Bank down 9%, East West Bank Corp down wow. 60%, Financial Corp down 18%, banks down, crypto assets up. You'll love to see it. Not only this though. Uncorrelated. <laughs> CZ has said that he is going to convert the 1 billion industry recovery initiative funds from BUSD into Bitcoin and BNB and ETH. Uh, and so CZ's market dumping BS, BUSD for crypto assets. Well, this is great. Do you remember that there were, okay, so another byproduct of this that we'll be talking about, I'm sure in the weeks to come is uh, there was a threat at one point in time that centralized stable coins like USDC would essentially eat the money use case of crypto. So why do you need Bitcoin? Why do you need ETH if you have a stable coin on chain, right? All the monetary premium will kind of leak into stable coin assets. This is showing why that can't be the case and why that won't be the case and why Bitcoin and Ether and crypto native assets that aren't dependent on any external uh, banking system, why they will always be core monetary units of, uh, of crypto. And this is providing more strength to them and less strength to the, the stablecoin use case. Are you ready for a meme? Yeah. Corporate needs to find the differences between this picture and this picture. One picture on the left is all of the uh, banking stock circuit breakers popping off because they are down bad. And then Bitcoin absolutely mooning. And apparently, according to NLW, these are the same pictures. <laughs> I just love it when bankless assets moon while banks get hammered. Not that this is, a, I'm not happy about that in the banking sector. This is a fault of our, so many other things, but this is the net effect of that. Right. And so, Ryan, I think this brings us to the last part of this conversation, which was, was this an attack on crypto? Was what right. we should have, we should define with the, is, are you talking about the signature bank portion of this or like the Silvergate portion of this or what portion of this? Uh, because it's not all an attack on crypto. I almost feel like it's in the cap cap of like camp of, um, an opportunistic attack yes. on crypto, if you will. I think that's right. I think that's right. But I, I, it's worth pointing out that January and February were marked by operation choke point, right? They were coming to debank crypto and then fast forward to March. The crypto banks are taken, are seized by the FDIC. Like it was an opportunistic attack, but attack nonetheless. So that's really how the, this 2023 started. And now we're 13 days into March and our three biggest crypto banks got seized. So like, how, what's the net effect of that? Well, like crypto banks or crypto is now being debanked. It's being debanked in the US, right? Which yeah. slows down the fiat inflows crypto and which is a bad thing in the short run. But I wonder if it's not a good thing in the long run, David. I mean, there are elements of have we become too dependent on the U.S. banking system? This really shows the strength of Ethereum and Bitcoin. Like, they can debank U.S. citizens for a period of time, but you can't debank crypto. Right. Crypto is the bank. The capital will find a way to leak back into crypto, like it always does, and crypto will continue to grow and grow and grow. Over the long run, you really can't debank crypto, and I don't think that um, those trying to uh, I guess, uh, choke off 
crypto in the US fully understand this. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I think also at the same time, we're going to be hearing this narrative. Like we already are seeing the headlines of bank fails because of crypto. Bank fails because of crypto. Those headlines are left and right. And so Brian Quinten, Quintens tweeted out, so the Federal Reserve hikes uh, heights rates by 400 basis points in 12 months, that's 4%, sending all asset prices into a tailspin, inverts the yield curve, the most since 1980, causing large regional banks like Key Corp to raise alarm bells on funding costs. And crypto is the problem. And so he's saying like, why crypto should not be the problem. This is this is uh, a result of all of these endogenous factors that have nothing to do with crypto, right? Um, here's Nick Carter saying, dear God, Barney Frank openly admits that signature was arbitrarily shuttered despite no insolvency because regulators wanted to kill off the last major pro crypto bank, Colossus Scandal. This is linked in a CNBC article. This is linked in a CNBC article. Let me see if I can find this. Um, I think part of what happened was that regulators wanted to send a very strong anti-crypto message, which is why Silvergate was take, taken down. They're just saying the, the, the quiet part out loud in public in public, public fashions, right? And so this is your tweet from this last weekend. Silvergate, SVB, Signature Bank. These are banks. Banks had to be shuttered, not crypto. And so the narrative here is that they're going to try and blame crypto. And we have to remind them that it was actually banks that failed, not crypto that failed. I'd be happy to. This is where the battle for hearts and minds come in, because I mm -hmm. think there's going to be a narrative battle in the coming weeks and months between mm -hmm. those that want to blame crypto for this. And uh, we who <laughs> want to show that crypto was the thing that was standing mm -hmm. uh, at the end of this. It was the banking system. Uh, that has failed, not not crypto. But I think we're. I think this is going to be a narrative battle for hearts and minds, and a fight for mainstream. What like the mainstream narrative? What does the average uh, American citizen actually believe at the end of this? Yeah, here's Miles Jennings, who's uh, the legal counsel at uh, A16C. Uh, the Fed shooting the absolute hell out of the U.S. banking system, and then turns to the camera and asks. Why would crypto do this? That's such a good meme, man. That's a great meme. <laughs> I love that. Meme. Well, that's where we are right now, David. Is uh, anything else you want to say in summary and closing? That's all I got, man. That's all I got. What a weekend, guys. We hope this helped get you up to speed. David, what are we doing tomorrow? We're bringing David and I are not banking financial system experts. Uh, no, we know a thing not. or two when we can piece a story together and we know how it intersects with crypto, but we are bringing on someone who does tomorrow for State of the Nation. Who's coming on tomorrow, David? And what are we yeah, talking we are about? We are bringing on, um, apologies in advance, Ram, for butchering your last name, Ram Aluwalia, uh, who is a capital markets, banking sector expert, at least far more than we are, who also uh, very much understands the crypto world as well. Uh, and I, the agenda that I made for that show, Ryan, is already obsolete, so I'm going to have to make another, another one tonight. Uh, but as the events continue to unfold for the rest of the day today, uh, the market doesn't close for another 20 more minutes or an hour, 20 more minutes. I don't know. Um, trad markets. Um, but all of the, all the things that happened today are, and all of the news of that's going to be projected out the next following months or so, we're going to talk about that all throughout the state of the nation tomorrow. There we go. The contagion seems to be stopped for now. USDC is fine. Crypto held up during the storm as it always does. It was a crazy weekend. A lot of uncertainty mm -hmm. for a lot of folks right. seems to be mainly resolved, but I can't help, but, uh, ask myself, ask the question of, is this all over? Have we seen right. the last of the crypto, right. of the of the banking contagion, right. I should say? Um, 
we'll see. It does seem like a Fed pivot's on the way, but will that be enough or will we see some other cracks form before the end of all this? We'll have to see. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll just say is like, yo, if you are the crypto class of 2021 and 2022, man, you guys have earned your stripes. You guys have experienced a lot. Yeah. Your first run. Yeah. I, there, there was a time where I thought, oh, class, you never, you'll never match class of 2018, 2019 and the hell that we lived through. But like, I don't know. (laughs) This, this is this, pretty, this is a bad one. <laughs> this is pretty bad, and you're seeing it all, and hopefully getting a crash course on how our money system works as a result, which is only a good thing moving forward. David, you're doing, uh, you're getting off of this in the next 15 minutes, and you are doing a Twitter Spaces for uh, the Brian Armstrong Bankless Collectible, right? What's coming up there? That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, we are always Monday mints. Uh, mint the podcast NFT that goes with every Monday podcast. That space is starting in 17 minutes. Are you gonna Are you gonna be there? I I don't think I can make. It. I gotta go do something else. Go talk to somebody about something else. Oh, that's right. Not right, to right, be right. Yeah, obscure, so, but uh, we just had a killer episode with Brian Armstrong. So if you guys are completely done with all of this banking and contagion talk and want to talk about some crypto things and all of the cool things that Coinbase is doing, uh, that Twitter space is starting in 17 minutes. Yes, and it's your opportunity to mint and collect the Brian Armstrong NFT podcast, guys. We'll end it this way with risks and disclaimers. We usually say crypto is risky. I don't think that fits this episode. The U.S. banking system is risky, all right? Banks are risky. You could lose what you put in. Hopefully, it's FDIC insured. But we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.